Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 84. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. So we have got another great guest, someone that's going to help you really develop your Success IQ Dr. Anthony Mativier. Now, Dr. Anthony Mativier is the founder of Magnetic Memory Method, a systematic 21st century approach to memorizing things like foreign language, vocabulary, names, music, poetry, and much more. And in ways that are elegant, easy, effective, and fun. What separates him from other authors on memory skills and development is that he doesn't focus on long strings of digits or training for memory championships. He offers simple techniques for memorizing the information that will change your daily life. And I'm really looking forward to having him on the show today. So without further ado, let's get started to help you get into more focus and increase your memory. So Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's a delight to meet with you. Well, I am so looking forward to it. This is a topic that fascinates me. So before we really get into this, could you give us the backstory of what's kind of like got you into this topic and actually brought you to this point today? Well, it's uh, one of those dark nights of the soul stories where I was in grad school. I had so many exams coming up. I don't know when. I don't know how it works in your country or where the listener is, but in Canada, you got two field exams, which means grumpy professors sitting around tables asking you what you know based on massive reading lists, 200 plus books per exam and articles, not entirely books, but you know, just lots and lots of pages. And I was in Canada, 14 foot of snow that winter. I'd had some years struggling with bipolar disorder, was in a deep depression, couldn't read a word, couldn't concentrate, couldn't focus, couldn't remember anything. So I was at one of those crossroads where it was like, go to the exams and fail or uh, jump off a bridge, and I literally considered it, or become a street magician. Now, how that came into my head, I don't know, but uh, I went and I was, I could watch videos, and YouTube was just coming out, and I was watching these guys doing magic tricks and learning how to do it. Came across the holy grail of magic tricks. I know later you said you're gonna ask me to pick a number from one to 52. One of those tricks is pick a number between one and 52, and then name a card, and lo and behold, that card will be there. So I learned how to do this, and one of the versions was a bonus uh, sort of thing on a DVD, and it was how to do that with a memorized deck. And I thought, there's no way. I could never do this. I can't even read a sentence of French philosophy. But nonetheless, I, I followed the instructions, and 15 minutes later, I memorized a randomized shuffled deck of 52 cards with 100% recall. And I had this epiphany where I thought, okay, so I got all these ancient Greek words, I got Latin terms. I've got highfalutin concepts. If I just get them on cards, the same way that I can do this with a deck of cards, I'll be able to memorize all that stuff and go to my exams and ride off into the sun of PhD land. And so that's what I did. And it worked great. And then after that, I went to Germany, learned German really quick, got a, a guest visiting professor scholarship from uh, a highfalutin government organization. And, you know, the rest is history. Wow. Wrote books, <laughs> made courses, wow. and uh, helped others do the same. Wow. Okay. Okay. So so let's so let's dive into this. 
Okay, so does do you find that the the this um this strategy works for everyone? Is there certain people it doesn't work for, or is it is it really uh, what what is the what is the strategy behind it? Without giving too much away, obviously. Well, well, here's the odd thing about it: most of what you do, we're all doing all the time anyway. We just aren't aware of it, and so a lot of it is just a shift in your thinking about what you do anyway. And the answer, is it something that only some people can do? Yes, absolutely only some people can do it. And those are the people who learn the skills and apply them and get uh, negative beliefs out of their way because your brain will try to trick you that you can't do it, just like my brain tried to trick me that I couldn't. But when I just surrendered myself to some steps and didn't overthink it too much, because there's a lot of things where you're just like, well, why would you do that? And if you get the why questions in the way, You'll, you'll never get there because there actually is often no real reason. Uh, brain science is still catching up with it. And even then, it's not a satisfying answer why. Like it's chemicals in your brain. Just uh, do this and you'll, you'll rewire them. So it, it, it's one of those things where you have to suppress knowing too much. And that can feel a little bit strange to a lot of people. And I'm very sensitive to that. And I don't know exactly how to deal with it as a teacher. But I often just say if you keep running into why questions – Set them aside for later because the outcome will solve a lot of it. You know, it'll disappear, <laughs> that, that itching to know why. <laughs> yeah, and it's a lot of it. It's sometimes what we're taught. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I, my two children and myself suffer from dyslexia. And it's mm. we, a lot of the times we've, we've been taught by the people either have been there to help us or for a lot, for a lot of the time hinder us. They've been told what we can't do. And a lot of it has oh. to be with memory recall or something else. And it's, you know, it's sometimes it's those beliefs can be part of the problem, can't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I have, I, I'm always, you know, sympathetic to hear things like people having dyslexia and so forth, not necessarily because of the condition. Some of the best entrepreneurs and world shakers out there have dyslexia, but it's what the institutions tell those people. When I had bipolar disorder, you know, they kept me in the hospital for three months. And the last two weeks of it, I was sat in the occupational therapist room, told about halfway houses and how I was never going to be a contributor to society. Like, come on. I wound up with a PhD and all kinds of best-selling books and traveled the world and teaching these memory techniques like crazy with over 200 episodes of a podcast. If I had listened to that moron, you know, where yeah. would we be? Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. <laughs> uh, it's just insanity. And dyslexia is not uh, a, a, a ticket to not being able to use memory techniques, that's no. for sure, because I've helped yeah. a lot of people with that. And does it and does 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 it does the same sort of because um, we talked about this just before we started recording it does does the memory techniques also help with the focus side of things as well? Oh yeah, uh, and and that's one of the things that maybe people beginning with this will will struggle with, particularly in our area or sorry our era because because of an effect that's called the Google effect. It's sometimes called digital amnesia. If you really want to put the drama sauce on, it's called digital dementia. Oh, but wow. uh, okay. <laughs> it is, it is a, a, an effect I felt it myself, which is a, a reduction in concentration and focus and being able to understand information on the computer. Like we're trained to be scanners and swipers and tappers, and we're not even really looking at what we're seeing half the time. Um, 
So that can be a challenge. And yes, this will help you because one of the things that it's going to do is train you to get back your, your, I don't want to say childlike imagination, but it's going to help you get back that kind of fascination with entertaining yourself somehow (laughs) in terms of just making associations in your brain because associations is where it all begins. And that act in and of itself will help you focus and then create laser like focus. Okay. So can we, can we, can you share with us some of the techniques that can, um, that can help us do this? Cause you've got me absolutely hooked and fascinated. All right. So I'm actually an intermediate level sort of teacher of these things. And I well, just want I say that because I want to be sensitive to the fact that I don't even know that well how to teach beginners and I have a podcast precisely to introduce people to people who do uh, teach beginners better but from my perspective the easiest way to begin is just to understand association and start with names because all that like when uh when I meet someone I met a person the other day at a store his name was Isaac and all I did was Oh, Leonard Cohen, the story of Isaac. And I started hearing Leonard Cohen in my mind and I started to see Leonard Cohen pummeling this poor new Isaac with a guitar. And then I started to like feel what it would be like to be this new tall Isaac who doesn't look anything like Leonard Cohen, but getting beat up by Leonard Cohen. And, you know, just trying to get the sound of it, some kind of sound association, some kind of visual association, some kind of kinesthetic association. And I'll sometimes go even so far if it's a tough one to like, well, what is a, what does Leonard Cohen smell like after all? I mean, you know, and uh, and maybe if if there's an opportunity to put some taste in there, and what what you're doing, and this is the brain chemistry stuff, is you're asking your your positive negative ions in the you know the synopses and the neurons and so forth to start weaving together a lot better. A lot of people have probably heard that thing that you know what fires together wires together or what wires together fires together. I think it works both ways. Um, that's literally what you're doing. So you meet a new person. And, you know, I see uh, Jeff Nicholson and I think, ah, okay, so I know my friend Jeff and I know a guy whose Jeff is spelt with the name G. So I start to see him and then I start to think about Jack Nicholson. Maybe he's got the guy I know named Jeff in a headlock and uh, and it's the guy Jeff with the G specifically. And he's like, are you sure it's a G, you know, or some other thing that Nicholson might be saying. And, okay. uh, and it just go from there. And that's okay. the basis of it all. Right. Okay. So, what you're t- so is that is that what you your technique? Te- are you the way you're wiring and everything that you're using every modality you can to hook in with that person's name? So you've used taste, sound, um, smell, or whatever else to to link with that up. So everything's yes. linking. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Now that's, there's that's interesting. Okay. There's another one okay. and it's it's space. So I want to link it to the person's body or on the wall behind them. Or in the case of, of you, I'll literally think about my computer as a kind of space to link it with because you and I haven't had the opportunity yet to meet, although hopefully one day. Um, but I can link you to space nonetheless by linking you to computer and even more specifically where Skype lives in my computer. And the reason why I do that and why I teach people to do that is that for most people, space is a free resource and you just remember it well. Uh, and you remember things that we, you, you do with space very well. Like if you, if you had to ask, uh, you know, if I asked somebody, if I asked you, 
the last house that you moved into or apartment, mm-hmm. did you have to work really hard to remember the journey between your bedroom and the kitchen? No, not now, no. It's like for most people, it's just like instantaneous free memory. And so to help people remember all of these modes, uh, I have sometimes talked to them about the idea of a kangaroo punching a cave that has a cog inside of it or a number of cogs. And that stands that if you spell cave, K-A-V, which maybe is not the best. I got to work on I work on these things. It's a, yeah, work, in it's a work in progress. But, work in progress. Yes. Creativity you just is get, best. Yeah. You can get cave cogs or cogs yeah. in a cave yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Cave I'm dyslexic. I've spelled cave like that for years, so don't worry about that one. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. But again, it's a work in progress. But, you know, K is kinesthetic. A is auditory. V is visual. Now we go to cogs. C is cognitive. It's like an idea. Jack Nicholson is an idea. I don't know him. I know him in Batman as the Joker. I know him in whatever, oodles of movies, but he's a, he's a, he's a concept. And then O is olfactory, which is smell and G is gustatory, which is taste. And then S is space itself. Mm, Okay. Okay. I like that. Okay. So, so, so as you are, and this one of the things I really love about that is what, when you talked about that before about, you know, almost bringing that, to some elements, it is that childlike play, isn't it? It is bringing back that creativity and allowing you to have some fun. And actually, I can relate that to um, even learning to, when I was recovering from my illness, learning to relax again. And that sounds mm-hmm. really weird. But learning to relax again and even dealing with my depression is was creating my own, um, I guess, my own escape world inside my head which is a dangerous place, people. Um, But I created my own, I created my own island and I didn't, you know, it was a safe place. So I could have whatever the hell I wanted in there. And Mm -hmm. it took me a long time to create and I had to learn patience and I had to learn those skills because there was part of me just going, this is really stupid. But then actually to be able to learn those skills, I now can take that into mindfulness practicing visualization practicing just learning to just if i've if i'm ever in a you know if i'm ever in a place where i'm getting a little bit stressed or a little bit overwhelmed i can very quickly get into that state of just taking myself off to a different place and getting myself calm and it all comes from being in that childlike activity of just creating something so I, actually, I think it's a great skill to learn because it's, it, you know, it's something that we don't do. And sometimes we've got to give ourselves permission to do the things that we haven't done for a long, long time. Right, right. Or I would say just do differently what we're doing all the time anyway. Well, yes, that's uh, very true. And or perhaps we don't want to admit we do. Well, yeah, that is well. Or, you know, it can seem like it takes effort. And where do you get started and so forth? And, and, and you know, that, those are all legitimate concerns. And it's not like I go through life without having them in other areas either. I, want, I need to learn more about graphics. And it's like, where do you begin? And then all of a sudden you put something in Google and you're overwhelmed um, with options and decision anxiety and so forth. But in this case, there's so much, there's so much material out there to learn these techniques. And the problem I, I find for a lot of people, and it's why I sort of, 
have come to understand that I'm just not a beginner person is because those beginner people actually usually talk about pictures and images in your mind. And I say, after years of experience teaching this, that if you are struggling with this, and a lot of people already know about memory techniques, it's not really a mystery. Um, uh, if they struggle with it, it may be because there's a reliance in the English language that's not in, for example, German memory trainings or, or some of the ancient ones, but it's a reliance on pictures. And not everybody is has such strong visualization. So if you can push to those other things, like what does it feel like when you create this weird association or what does it sound like, then you, you'll probably have a better go at it and you won't get frustrated because it'll actually work a lot better. So, um, yeah, I yeah. really believe in what my friend Jonathan Levy calls brute force learning, which is we've been trained to like go for easy street because of how the internet works. And we already before the internet looked for easy street. So it's just like compounded easy streetness and brute force learning is just saying, look, there's nothing that's that there's nothing worth having that's that simple. So let's try and learn as much about it as quickly as we can and go through all the possible angles that we can as quickly as we can and get a good overview. And then what's the most likely thing that's going to get us the furthest, the fastest, and then plow into that and, I've come to call it the SIP principle in my training, which is to study memory techniques, implement memory techniques, and practice them with information that will actually improve your life. So that's SIP, study, implement, practice. And that just gets people over a lot of humps right there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So before we go to the second part of the show, what is the what is your favorite um, memory technique? Well, it's the memory palace. And... The memory was, well, I mean, see, the thing is, is that they all, I, magnetic memory method actually brings it all together into one flowing thing, but it's grounded on the memory palace and that memory palace plus what we just talked about, which when you do that, I call it magnetic imagery and you just put the two together and you can memorize vast amounts of information very quickly. And the memory, with the memory palace technique, um, is that is is that the same sort of thing you just start would you just start very small in doing that or do you have to go through is there a way you can start building that up what what how would you say people can start learning to create a memory palace or is there different strategies do you have to learn certain things before you do that no you don't have to learn certain things i guess it's just a matter of do you really want it to work for you or do you do you want the easy street version? And so the easy street version that you'll hear is people say, start at the door of your home and then walk into your living room and then go into the kitchen. And that helps some people. It helps some people undoubtedly. But the problem is, is that it's going to lead you into, or it's going to lead a lot of people that I've been able to help into a lot of frustration because it it's cognitive load. Any technique you use has, has a cost of certain cognitive load. So the way I teach it is do not start at your door. Do not walk into the home in your mind. Start at the dead end and then move towards the exit because so many people, they start getting these questions like, well, what if I run out of space? And what if this? And what if that? And I do everything I can to solve all the mind junk before it even starts by starting the memory palace in a particular area. And I talk about don't cross your own path because a lot of people, I've seen their memory palace drawings because I teach to draw the memory palace mm. and they're all over the map. It looks like uh, they're trying to tie their shoes inside their mind, uh, okay. you know. So, just, so it needs to be it, very structured in that part. Yes. Right. And then the thing that I teach people, and it can be frustrating for some, but those who just 
again, sort of suppress that why and just go for it. I say make 26 memory palaces from the get-go, one for every letter of the alphabet. And I can get into the reasons why, but ultimately it's just the, it's just the principle that no one's going to bake the cake the first time the right way. You know, you, you got to bake a couple of cakes to really even understand what spatial memory is about and, and strategy and so forth. So it's just like tying your shoes. You want to get that nice, crisp, layout on your bows and, and knots yeah. or however you tie your okay. shoes, you're going to yeah, yeah. do it a couple of times, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and it's just uh, it's great for people who do because then they, after maybe their fourth or fifth one that they draw out, they're like, ah, I get it. That's why you start in your dead end. And then they just start to take whatever information they need to memorize, whether it's a bunch of foreign language uh, words or phrases or it's a bunch of names they want to memorize a, a list of uh, you know professionals in their field or whatever it is that they're working on it's just like boom 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 and the next thing you know I've got students they memorize 6000 words in or 1000 words in 6 weeks and 200 words in 10 days and it's stuff that improves their lives because they're they need that stuff in order to get certifications or you know I just talked to a guy named Jesse Villalobos and he got a raise at his job because he knows everything better than anybody else there within just a couple of weeks. Hi guys, so just before we jump over to the second part of the show, I wanted to let you know that Success IQ Alliance, my membership program, will be entering its pilot phase shortly. And I'm looking for a group of people that would like to join me during this phase at the very beginning of the whole process. If you're interested and would like to find out more information, then please email me at info at jeffnicholson.co.uk. Places are limited, but it would be lovely to see you there. Speak soon. Wishing you the greatest success and have an awesome week. We are going to jump over to the second part of the show. So we're going to put you on the hot seat, so to speak. And we're going to ask you the set of questions we ask every guest who appears on the show. So the first question is, how much time a week do you spend on self-development? I would say 100%. (laughs) Like all all my time is on this. And the reason why is because I practice Vedanta, which is a a process of self-inquiry. And so basically you just ask questions like, to whom is this happening? And where is it happening? And so I do that almost all the time. And it's, it's, it's kind of a strange thing, but it helps you just basically break down the ego. So I I try to live without an ego as much as possible. (laughs) Is that internal in, uh, inquiry, is it? Pardon. Yeah, although I find myself talking to a lot of people about it and asking them, to yeah. whom is this happening and where am I and where are you? And it really helps yeah. them uh, understand that the ego doesn't really exist. And the more you can be free of your ego, you're free of expectation, which means you're free of suffering. So, yeah, yeah. well, okay, let's just call it 90% of the time because sometimes I do get caught in my ego and uh, then I suffer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't like it, but it happens. <laughs> You're only human. You're only human, Anthony. Okay. Question number two is what is your favorite personal development book and why? Oh, that's a tough one, but I'd have to say probably oh well it's a toss up between The Luck Factor and Fifty Nine Seconds by Richard Weissman. So if I could just choose Richard Weissman, I'd go for him. He's he's a a, a great, great author, but fifty nine seconds but I'd probably lean on that one. What is your question number three? Is what is your favorite app? Oh, uh, well, I try to avoid apps and stay away from them actually uh, to preserve 
my brain. But if I had to name one, it's the YouTube app that lets me go live because I do a lot of YouTube live streams. It's probably the only one I use regularly. Okay. Question number four is what's your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? Oh, my biggest business mistake is probably hiring people with that that uh, that uh, with expectation that they will just be wizards and magicians without like laying out the actual documentation of what needs to be done and and bringing them more into my world okay and what did that teach you that uh if you document everything and you're very clear and you stick with people you get a better result and then i recently started something that I learned in a book called The Culture Code, I think it's called by Daniel Coyle, if my memory serves properly, as I hope it does. Um, <laughs> and he talks about having the beacon of purpose. So I just, in a sauna, put in the beacon of purpose once a week on Mondays, ask everybody on the team to read a testimonial or a story that someone has sent about results they've gotten from my training. And it just gets everybody to understand more about like what we're doing. It's not just uh, editing another video or editing another podcast. It's not just tweaking this or that on the website. It's actually helping someone improve their life. And so the Speaking of Purpose has really brought us all together and, and it's just really great. So I recommend that book and I recommend that exercise. Have you ever had to had the struggle of having to adjust knowing that your memory is probably better than a lot of the other people? people's memories because obviously of what you do have you ever had to struggle with adjusting to that or do you do you have that understanding that you know because of what you've done how good your memory is therefore that well that you have that expectation you know that's a very good question and no one's ever asked that to me but i treat it as a a great honor and a privilege to teach anybody at all about such a sensitive area and I try to avoid doing memory stunts for example because as great as the memory championships are and as great as many of the other teachers are I think watching a guy recite hundreds of digits of pi or watching a guy recite 500 names in a room is not only worse than watching paint dry but it's also very discouraging and it's also hard to relate to how that helps you improve your life uh, mm. so I'm very sensitive to that and when I go and do public talks, I will memorize the name of every person in the room and I will go around and ask them their names. But I will do it very sensitively and not in a show-off way. And I try to avoid showing off as much as possible. But I can walk my talk. And when I make mistakes, I just own it because everybody does. And a lot of people don't know these championships are actually point-based. So one guy will win simply because he had a good day. And uh, he might have done really bad on uh, in a particular category that day, but he still – one because of high performance in another and they'll forget all that stuff two minutes later so i really want to, i avoid all that i've gone and competed just for a, like a journalistic experience and i shocked myself i was hung over and i had all kinds of pain from arthritis and i was jet lagged and uh i just did just generally was going to not go <laughs> and i just was like holy cow i just sat with a guy who has two guinness world records and i did half of what he could do <laughs> and it was like amazing so these techniques work right but i don't really tell that story that often because who cares what i care about is that i was able to go to china after three months of studying chinese and actually look my father-in-law in the eye and say hey i'd like to marry your daughter what do you think about that and that was after some small talk and understand his answer 
answer. And he was just like, holy cow, did this guy really study Chinese for only three months? And I, I'm just like, actually, it was a little bit less. I was in a hurry. But, you know, like that's what I care about. It's not a stunt. It's something anybody can do. And I want to encourage people to just dive in and change their lives. So I, think, I take I it very think, seriously. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that you, you highlight as well is, is the it's that – it's that amazing ability from the limitations of, you know, we, we hear people talk about all the time. Like, oh, I, in fact, I was talking to a friend the other day who said, who's a researcher and he's a, he's an extremely intelligent guy. And if he's listened to this, I'll only say it on radio once. Um, but if he's, if he's, you know, he's a really, really intelligent guy, but he said this the other day, he said, but I'm rubbish at language. Mm. But he's already, so he's already put out this belief that he is that he's not very good at language so therefore even if he wanted to to learn these strategies he's already got that barrier that's stopping him from obtaining that that knowledge in some way because he's got these barriers creating these things i mean like mandarin chinese whatever it was that's got to be damn hard to learn no, at least from, really. from well, no. All right, all right. There's a belief straight away that I'm I'm setting a limitation. But in my head, immediately without looking at it and without sort of going through it, there's a there's a perception I create and going, God, that must be hard. Um, right. But but saying that, I remember when I was over in Norway and I was teaching a specific strategy, and I learned it in Norwegian in order to make sure that I could pick up the. Um, well, try and see if there was idiosyncrasies when they said it in their own language compared to if they said it in English. Because I wanted to see if they, if they said it in their own words, did it have the same um, punch is, or did it have more of a punch than if they said it in English? Um, and you could see the difference when they said it in their own words. So I get, I, I, it's, it's amazing if we, can, if we put up barriers we're stopping ourselves from learning so much more and, and actually reaching our full potential. Right, right. Yeah, well, you know, I immediately interjected when you said oh, Chinese is difficult, and I said, well, not really. And that's just a mm. mindset thing. I could Absolutely. easily just say, yeah. oh, yeah, Chinese is the hardest language in the world. But the truth is, is that Chinese is Chinese. And yes. you're just going to show up to it or you're not. And yeah. there's ways to show up to it better. And yeah. if you just... If you just hypnotize yourself into this or that language being more or less difficult, good luck. The the yeah. the real truth is is that there's a word called Monday, and there's a way to memorize it very fast. And then there's a sentence where you could say, "Next Monday, I'm going to read a book." And there's a way to memorize that real fast too. It doesn't matter mm. what language it is; it's your head. No. And if you want yeah. it in there, just you know, get rid of the story because yes, it's true what they say about. You know, Absolutely. if you think you can, yeah. you can. And if you think you can, you can't, you can't. Yeah, whatever you believe is true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, next question, number five, is what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? I'd say my major challenge is that I'm, I, I've been called this by a, a mentor of mine, which is some of the energizer bunny. Like, I don't know how to shut it off. Um, I, like, literally, I was... I was on the street yesterday. I shot a video with someone. They were asking for funds for for saving the Great Barrier Reef, which I'm not even legally able to do with my uh, status here in Australia. And I said, well, I can give you some memory training, though. We turned the camera on and we did like this memory exercise. And then an hour later, it's on YouTube. And uh, like I just a compulsive teacher. And then I get home and I just think, oh, man, I can't wait to wake up and uh, teach some more. 
Uh, so I, I, it's it's just it's one of those things where people say, oh, my dream thing would be to just be myself or whatever, and that's what I have. But I've come to sort of, okay, so when are we gonna set some limits here and just sleep <laughs> or rest? Like I do get enough sleep, but I just I I think my biggest challenge is that I'm just a compulsive teacher, and maybe that's not a problem. I don't know. Uh, but rest rest is is one of my challenges, but I rest in a different way. I read a great book, actually, Alex Pang, I think his name is, uh, called Rest. And he said that one of the problems that people like myself have is that actually we don't sit down easily and just uh, chill out. Like I do a lot of meditation and stuff, but one thing that really helped me is he said, you can actually get a lot of legitimate rest by directing your creative energies and your critical problem solving energies and stuff at similar tasks that are not your work. So, I've been writing more fiction, for example, and I've been drawing and, uh, uh, you know, doing color stuff and then just walking a lot without, without an iPod or a, not an iPod, but, you know, not without headphones on, without, uh, without anything in my hands or anything and just walking. And that's been, that's been great. And letting my mind wander instead of thinking, oh, well, I got to do my self-inquiry, Vedanta chants and chants Sanskrit and try to eradicate my mind. Just like, just let it go. And just 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 relax, and then all these cool ideas come. So I really uh, uh, I like highly that. recommend that book as well. I like that one. Okay, okay. Number six is what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Oh, um, I'd say you don't have to actually be an entrepreneur. Okay. That uh, would be my advice. Entrepreneur is a weird word. I'm not sure what it means yet, but you don't have to get no. all all, no, all hypnotized by by that word. <laughs> It isn't it. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Because it's like I know it's like this forbidden thing is like, oh yes, everyone wants to strive to be an entrepreneur. But ultimately, when I first started out, an entrepreneur was just someone who had a business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. it yeah. I, I think, I think we have many segments inside of there, but it's just kind of, you know, my, as I mentioned before, like hiring is, is something I don't. I I have a little bit of a, a thing with that I'm learning, and I think. To me, that's an area I never really wanted to get into. But in order to grow, absolutely have to. Um, and so that's more, yeah, I don't know. It's just like a hat that you have to put on. But then it starts to feel like a job and so forth. But uh, technically, you know, I, I could still do this without any team members. Um, it's getting better because I have them. But you, you don't necessarily have to be an entrepreneur and and all this stuff they say about don't do any work in your business make sure everybody else is doing it and you're just the visionary and stuff i don't know i'm a little skeptical of all that yeah fine okay brilliant okay question number seven is what is your definition of success i would say it is being totally in in the zone with what you're doing and and being able to just have what you need to keep on doing what you love doing and grow towards that stuff that I just said that you don't necessarily have to do, which is, you know, the getting, getting the grunt work handled by people who are a lot better at it than you are, but making sure that you actually know what it is they're doing so you can be the leader. And that I think is one of my latest leaps in success is not, not dodging any of that. Cause I do know the things myself and I think that's important. And then it feels really, really successful to see somebody else do it better than I can because I took the time to actually explain it. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Question number eight. Do you have any type of morning routine that helps you get prepped for the day ahead? 
Yes, I do. Um, it's quite elaborate, actually, uh, but in brief, it is to meditate, to stretch, to do some journaling and journaling with some gratitude elements to it, and then a little bit of memory exercise. And then I do all that. Very, It's very important that that's all done before a computer hits my eyes. Okay. Okay. So you don't allow any digital interference until you've got all of that stuff out the way. Well, not Absolutely out of the way. Not. You've done that process. Right. And, and one of the reasons is because I'm a compulsive teacher. So if I like see email, I'll be like, oh, yeah, well, all you got to do is, you know, draw a memory. <laughs> yeah. and, I need like, to do it'll... a video. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Exactly. Okay. So I really put a lot of space in the morning for, for those activities. And it's been very helpful. And how long does your morning routine normally last? It depends, but I'd say it's a good 40 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour. Okay. Um, and depending on where my wife wakes up in the mix, it might be longer. Okay. 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 So the final uh, question is a life lesson question. That's basically you pick a number between one and 50. Um, so if um, whatever that number lands on, basically will land on a lesson that I've sort of picked up from getting better from my illness and starting my own business. It's our final sort of conversational topical point. It's okay for you to disagree um, with it because it's basically what I've sort of picked up. So pick a number between one and 50. I'm going for 50. I want to see where, where the story is. Going for 50. <laughs> 50. Um, keep it simple. Mm. So keep it simple was one of the things that I realized when I was coming out of my illness was that I used to overcomplex things crazily. And that actually when when I looked at things, whether it was coming out of my depression or whether it was um, when it was coming out and looking at my health and looking at my relationships and everything else, actually life doesn't need to be complicated. We make it more complicated um, because, you know, you brought up with a good thing with technology and stuff. Can we, we get technology to make things simplify, but actually just adds to the complication of things because we get bombarded with stuff 27,000 times more than we should. But it was actually to just bring things down to a simpler level, maybe slow things down, maybe actually look at things in a more simpler way and just focus on fewer things rather than actually uh, get overwhelmed with life. And I was just wondering right. what you thought. Oh, well, I think it's absolutely an important and, and wonderful principle. The only thing from my perspective that, that is a slightly different is that learning a language, which I help a lot of people with, or learning complex topics, it, simple doesn't necessarily uh, help because those things aren't simple. And so what the only thing that I would say is like, yeah, keep it simple, but not, not in a way that it dodges the complexity of information, if it's a language or if Absolutely. it's a, a large yeah. topic. Uh, and even the memory techniques, as long as you can get your foot in, start practicing them, simplicity isn't necessarily the answer either. Because again, uh, you're going to get to a level when you use these memory techniques where you're just instantly going to see uh, your friend Jeff uh, wrestling with Jack Nicholson or whatever's going to happen there, right? Um, and that's a lot of stuff going on in your head while you're talking to the new person you just met. And if you, 
it might take a few bits of uh, practice that are bringing things that you don't normally bring together that can seem complicated. But I can tell you that you can build up to going to a business meeting. It doesn't matter if there's 15 or 50 people in the room. You can remember every single name there. But you do have to tra- you do have to train yourself to be doing something that's relatively complex simply. And that requires surrendering to some complexity. Yeah, yeah. And it's, but it's but it's also is is you've you've probably got one of the most powerful computers between your ears to do it once you surrender, I guess. Exactly. You know, Tony Buzan, he's a great mentor of mine. One time we were at dinner, and he just said something profound, and it's simple, and that's the rules will set you free, right? And there are rules to how your memory works, whether we like them or not. If you just learn those rules. They'll set you free to remember anything that you want. And uh, he's uh, a, a real good demonstrator of that and, and uh, just an amazing uh, an amazing source of inspiration to me for, for that sort of simplicity. But underlying all that is just the wild mass of complexity of the brain cells and uh, not going in denial of that. It's just 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 you know letting letting an understanding of those rules be the path to freedom. No, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Anthony, the floor is now yours for you to share with the listeners how people can find out about you or if there's anything you would like to share with them. Oh, well, thank you. And I'd be delighted if if anybody wants to get into this realm of memory improvement, memory training as I teach it. The website is magneticmemorymethod.com. And there are many ways to get involved, just subscribing to the podcast or getting a free course that I have that will teach you memory palace foundations and then this magnetic imagery inside of memory palaces. And yeah, I mean, I I kind of have a teaching philosophy, which is that the students are the teachers and the teachers are the students. So it's, we just kind of like dive in, you know, and, and, and allow people to ask questions and, and try to really help as many people as we can, but we don't, we don't look for easy street. We don't dumb it down. And, and so I have oodles of interviews with other people who haven't dumbed it down either, but they have more entry level sort of books and stuff. So if you just want to get into this world, it's fascinating. It will change everything that you think you know about your ability to remember anything. And it'll help you unlock the vast intelligence that you know you have and that is just waiting to rush through through you and into the world and so things just get better and better and better the more that you study these techniques and implement them and importantly practice them with the information that improves your life and that's all at magneticmemorymethod.com brilliant anthony thank you very much i've really really enjoyed it. it's been fascinating to speak to you and i just want to say finally i wish you the greatest success Well, thank you, Jeff. It was an honor, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you again soon. And, And thank you for the privilege of sharing these techniques with your audience. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Hey guys, so first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know you're listening, and I really do appreciate the support. If you'd like to know more about me, my services, and how to connect with me on social media, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. The links are in the show notes below. I would also like to invite you to join my growing community on Facebook. All you need to do is search for Kick Mediocrity or Jeff Nicholson UK. 
and you will find the information that is required to join this growing community of like-minded people. You can tune in and listen to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn and of course iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show and have time, please leave a rating and review and it really does help me grow the show and make the impact I am aspiring to with the show. I wish you the greatest success and remember, don't settle for mediocrity. Go out there and create and live the exceptional. Have a lovely week and take care.